Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Perfect. Good to see you this morning. I snuck in the back and put my jacket on because that's what pastors have to do. You know, worship leaders, you know, you can, you got to move around a little more. Anyways, hey, good to see you. Okay, hey, I'm so glad you guys are here today. Um, I just have a, I have a message that the Lord's put on my heart. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago and uh, it, it, for the first, anyways, so today I'm, we're going to talk about it. And um, it's called, it, I didn't give it a fancy title for today. Uh, it's just Vessel. That's it. Vessels. We'll, we'll make it plural today. Vessels. And so you don't have to turn to the neighbor next to you. It's not fancy enough today for you to have to repeat it to anybody, but that's all right. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and work in our heart that we feel today. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that we feel. We thank you for your presence that we don't take for granted. Lord, we appreciate all that you've done. So God, today we welcome you into this room. We welcome you to come and have your way. God, I pray that you'll work on the inside of each one of us today. God, I, I just claim by the power of the Holy Spirit today that no one will walk out of this building the same, but we'll all, all walk out of this place changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. I know that your word, when it, you say when it goes forth, God, it does what it's set out to do, which is to change us. So Lord, we, we accept that today, and we welcome your change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I brought a prop this morning. I think this is one of the first times I've ever brought a prop. I love this prop. Look at this. I brought you a Vinny's pizza box. Has anybody... Anybody been to Vinny's before? I don't know why we had this in our house, but anyways, I have a pizza box. I want to, I want to talk about containers today, vessels. Who here has ordered a pizza in the past month? Good, so you're familiar with the process. What you do is you call whatever pizza place is your current favorite, and you ask for what you want, and all of a sudden your order has begun to be prepared. Now in the next, hopefully, less than 30 minutes, some man or woman will show up at your door with one of these. And inside of one of these is a delicious cheese pizza. I personally like pepperoni, if you ever make me concerting. I love, I love pepperoni on it. But how strange would it be, how really disconcerting would it be, and actually offensive, if your pizza man or woman showed up to your front door, rang the doorbell, and you opened the door, and there, instead of having a container, was holding your pizza in their hand. You don't know where that hand has been. You don't know, what, you know, you don't know if they washed their hands the last time they've, they've de-germed, right? And, and how, you know, the, the cheese is oozing down their, their arm, right? And you're like, what, what, where's the box? Where's the container? It, it would be disconcerting if there's no container. You, you know, as important as the valuable pizza is, without the 35-cent box, it doesn't work. And I just want to remind you today that, that this little box adds value, excuse me, the, the pizza adds value to the box. 
The box doesn't add anything to the pizza, but without the box, there's something wrong. I just want to say to you today that you are the box. Are you, are, are you worth that much? Maybe in yourself, you say, I'm not gifted. I'm, not, I'm nothing special. But what's inside of you is what people are looking for, desiring, and what's inside of you will feed the world around you. And so you contain something that the world needs. You have inside of you... Oh, it's pepperoni, better than pepperoni pizza. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, I'll just get rid of this now and we're done with that. (laughs) Sermon illustrations, you know, sometimes they go better than others. All right, I want to remind you, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7. "For For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at this, verse seven. All of that is contained, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Your earth, your dust, your dirt. How could the glory of God be contained in dirt? Oh, it seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? It seems so almost offensive. It seems like such a waste. But God's chosen to choose you, earth and vessels, as his container. As the one who he places himself in to be poured out into the world. Isn't that humbling today? That you contain something that is valuable. And maybe you don't feel valuable, but what you contain is irreplaceable. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that, so that, the excellence of the power, excuse me, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Oh, isn't it a humbling thing to be able to carry the presence of God? And I just want to say to you today, this is what you have to be anything. Your mission here on earth is not to be, uh, uh, not to be anything else than a, a vessel, something that carries God. You get to carry him. You get to take him to the world around you. But, but there's some prerequisites from being a vessel today, and we're going to get into that, and I'm going to show you a few scriptures, but this is what the word vessel in that scripture uh, in 2 Corinthians, the, the actual word, I'm not going to say, I never say the Greek words right, but it's skios, and it means this, a chosen instrument. I love that, don't you? Not just a container, you're a chosen instrument. You know, an instrument has a purpose, doesn't it? An instrument is useful for something. I don't know about you, but the, I go into a kitchen and I'm, I'm kind of learning how to cook, right? And I'm getting better and, and, and I'm learning what all these different instruments do. You know, there's like a lemon squeezer. Did you know that's a thing? It's like, I look, I'm like, what is that? That squeezes lemon juice. I was like, oh, cool. That's a, what is that? That's a garlic press. That's a purpose. You know, you have a specific purpose. Maybe you've been gifted, called to do certain things. The Bible enumerates different spiritual gifts. But I want to say to you today that you are a vessel and a chosen instrument. You have a purpose here on earth. So often the enemy wants to skew our purpose by getting us distracted or filling us with shame or filling us with feelings of inadequacy or, or, or being less than the people around us. But you are a chosen vessel, a chosen instrument. And so there's been many remind you, it's not what you know that changes the world. There's been many people who, throughout the, the annals of time who have known so much, but their names are forgotten. But the thing that changes the world is what you carry inside of you. 
So it's not your information, but it's actually the revelation that Jesus has given you of himself and what you carry that will change the people around you. So let me just encourage you. You don't actually have to read the Bible from front to back and understand it all to love people around you and see them transformed by the power of Jesus. Can you say amen today? You don't have to be a theologian and a scholar to see lives impacted by Jesus. You can actually love him, start to carry him, and see your workplace change. You can actually let his Holy Spirit live in you and see the people you talk to be filled with joy and peace. And so it's not what you know, it's what you begin to carry because you're a container with a purpose. You're a chosen instrument today. I want to read you this verse. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, do you not know that your body is the temple, the vessel of the Holy Spirit who's in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You're a chosen instrument. The, the following verse says, you are bought with a price. And so you're a vessel today. I wanna I want to share with you three prerequisites. The first being a vessel that's be, that, that is able to be used by God for his glory. The first one is this, is you have to be clean. We're gonna go through verses on all of these. God wants to make you a clean vessel. He's looking for people who are cleaned out, that don't have a bunch of junk on the inside that get in the way of what he's trying to do. You have to be an empty vessel. Being clean and empty is different, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But you have to be clean, and you have to be empty, and you have to be available. And I believe if you're those three things, you'll be surprised and amazed at what God will use you to do to impact the world around you in your lifetime. I believe it today, that if you're clean, empty, and available, God will do, use you to do amazing things on this earth for his kingdom. I want to read you these verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2 about vessels. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. And see, I want to stop here for a moment and just show you what I feel like the, Lord, the Holy Spirit showed me about this verse. It's too often we compare to each other to, to ourselves like the first four things. It, it says there's four types of vessels and then two kinds of vessels. It says there's gold, silver, wood, and clay. And too often the people who are clay look at the silver and say, man, if I could just be a, if I could just be a worship leader in the house of God, if I could just be silver, oh my God, overwhelmed. I would feel so much more used. Man, and, 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 and the gold people say, man, I'm overwhelmed. Everybody's always asking me to do this because I'm, I feel gifted. I wish I was clay sometimes. I wish, I wish these people would, right? And we compare ourselves to each other. But the Bible says there's vessels of gold, silver, wood, and clay, but the only kind that he cares about is there's two kinds. One's for honor and one's for dishonor. Ones that have been filled with the Holy Spirit who are honoring God and those who have chosen to do it their way. It's, I think it's a scary thing that it says, in the house of God, there can be vessels of dishonor. Oh, I don't wanna be a vessel in the house of God that God looks at and says, I can't really use you, son, because you're not clean, because you're not really empty, and you're definitely not available. I just, I just wanna encourage you today, let's stop comparing what kind of vessel we are, and let's focus on, am I a vessel who's honoring God, or I am, am I a vessel who's dishonoring God? It doesn't matter if you're gold today. It doesn't matter if you look at your gifts and you say, you got silver gifts, if you got wood, if you got clay, it doesn't matter what type of vessel you are, he can still use you. He's chosen in you because you're a chosen instrument but you have a choice I want to show you in the next verse verse 21 it says therefore if anyone cleanses himself 
from the latter, from a dishonorable vessel. He will be a vessel for honor. The Holy Spirit, that's so interesting. It says he who cleanses himself, obviously by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he who chooses to live in obedience to God. Will I be clean, empty, and available? He who chooses that life, it says, will able, be able to be used as a vessel of honor and not for dishonor. Sanctified. You know that word just means set apart. Set apart for a different use and useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. Let, let me just show you what he says to get away from. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who are called, who, excuse me, who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, and humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And so you have a choice today. What type of vessel will you be? So you don't, you don't get to choose what family you were born from. You don't get to choose the gifts that has been deposited into you. You don't get to choose what your calling is, but you get to choose, yeah, I might be gold, I might be silver, I might be wood, I might be clay, but am I going to be matter to God, or am I going to be a vessel of dishonor? See, it doesn't matter what type of vessel you are, but it matters to him if you honor him. And so I, I think God would rather have a clay vessel who's an honorable vessel than a gold one who's not in his house. And so today, it doesn't matter what type of gifts you have, what type of what type of skills you have, what type of charisma, or how good looking you are, or your, your social status, or your influence, it actually matters to God. He's looking for clean vessels. He's looking for available vessels. He's looking for empty vessels. And you get to choose today. Will I honor God with my vessel? Will I contain him? Or am I gonna just fill it with a bunch of junk that doesn't belong there, that will impede his progress for his kingdom? And so today, I wanna read you uh, a cool story today. One of my favorite in the Bible uh, it's the story of Gideon, and uh, over the next few minutes, if you haven't gotten your Bible reading the next couple of days, we're going to get our Bible reading in today. We're going to read a bunch of verses, but it's Judges chapter 6, and it'll be up on the screen, and what's going on is the Israelites, uh, they've started to rebel against God, and God has allowed an enemy to come and attack them because of their disobedience, and so these people called the Midianites, and we'll read this verse in a second, the Midianites come and continually attack the, uh, the Israelites. And so it says that their, their army is not able to be numbered and, and they keep on coming. And every time the harvest comes to the Israelites, every time God's blessing comes, uh, the Midianites will come, surround them and move in your life. Ever feel like the enemy tries to do that to you? Every time God starts blessing, every time God starts moving your life, it's like the enemy kind of knows and he's been watching and he tries to use his schemes to steal it from you. So he'll send problems, right? He'll send temptation. He'll send, he'll make your kids crazy, right? He'll just like do stuff to, to, to rob you. And this is... And the enemy is doing to the Israelites. So it's Judges chapter 6. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds, which are in the mountains. They were completely defenseless, so they had to hide. So it was when Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up. And also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them and they would encamp against 
them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, but they would destroy their camp, excuse me, both they and their camels without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You know, this is a different sermon for a different time, but sometimes the Lord's got to allow some things in your life, doing something wrong to begin to get you to wake up, and the, the Israelites begin to see, you know what, okay, we're doing something wrong here. We've done evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord has allowed this, and we are completely impoverished and robbed and destitute, and God, we need your help. And so the enemy continually, every time that the harvest time comes, they're, they're coming in and robbing everything that the Israelites have sown. You know, <laughs> have you ever grown anything? Oh, I haven't, but I've seen, I've heard people, I've heard about people who do it. Man, it takes a long, long, long time. It takes forever. <laughs> Can you imagine, right, you, you, in the fall, I think it's in the fall, do you, do you put seeds in the fall? I don't know, but I hear they die, and then I hear like in the springtime they begin to grow, and then sometime in late spring fruit happens, or am I, do I have the process wrong? I don't know, but, but, but it's, a, it's a long process. Can you imagine the frustration, the anger, the hurt? God, this keeps on happening. Why aren't you protecting us? And I think this can happen with us and God in some areas where maybe we find ourselves being robbed continually. Okay, verse 11. God's looking for a vessel, and he finds it in this guy named Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abysrite. From the Midianites. His son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. That's obvious, right? You don't thresh wheat in a winepress. You thresh wheat outside and you stomp wines, uh, grapes, wines, oh my gosh, w- grapes in a winepress, right? So Gideon is afraid. Gideon isn't a courageous man. In fact, we see time and time again that he struggles with fear. He's not the prototypical military leader that God has called him to be. In fact, and he himself admits in the next few verses, he is the least likely to be a military leader for the people of Israel to, de- to defeat the Midianites. It says, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, <laughs> this is funny, okay, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I, I, I don't know if he's sarcastic, but you, you see the scene where, where Gideon's hiding And an angel begins to call him a mighty man of valor. You know, I think God sees in you what is yet to be put there, and he begins to call it out of you at times where you are at a place where you're not even functioning in that. And he points at Gideon, Gideon looks behind him and says, there's no one else, there's no one else here. You're not talking to me, right? And the angel says, no, it's you. You're a mighty man of valor. Okay. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is questions, then why has all this happened to us? You know what? I don't think the Lord's afraid of you asking questions. I think for too long we've been afraid of asking God real questions. You know, I think he's fine with you asking God, what's up? Are we doing something wrong? Is this because of sin? Is this attack of the enemy? Why is this happening? Gideon starts asking real questions. If you're with us, what, what's going on? Where are all his miracles, which our father, 
our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, he doesn't even answer. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Again, Gideon's like, what? <laughs> uh, so he said to him, oh my Lord, look at this, I love this. How can I, he asked the wrong question. How can I save Israel? And see, he doesn't understand that it's not going to be him, and, it's big, and I'm going to show you this in a few verses. It's what he's carrying that is going to be the Savior of Israel. He says, how am I going to do it? The an obvious answer is, you can't. Look at, who, look at who Gideon is. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon is definitely a vessel of clay in the house of the Lord. He has no eye to be longing, uh, leading anybody. It says he is the least likely guy to be chosen as the vessel that God chooses to deliver his people from the Midianites. It says he is in the weakest tribe and he's the weakest guy in the whole, uh, in the whole group. This guy is the worst. He's the weakest, he's the least, he's the smallest. But let me just tell you, when you carry someone who's the biggest, it doesn't matter how big your vessel is, you carry something so much bigger than the world around you that is so much greater that God can use, it's, it's, it's his power to transform and fulfill his will. And so he says, the Lord said to him, and he doesn't even answer, he says, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, uh, if I found favor in your sight, could you show me a sign that it is you who talk, talk to me? <laughs> Do not depart from me here. I pray unto you uh, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. I'll just read these next couple of verses real quickly. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an epa of flour. He put the meat in a basket and he brought the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and he presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock, pour out the broth and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put the end of his staff that was in his hand and the angel of the Lord leavened bread and fire rose out of the rock, consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of of his sight and Gideon said okay I think this is for real verse 22 now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord and Gideon said alas O Lord for I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face and he said to him peace be with you do not fear you shall not die so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace and to this day it is still an opera of the Abyssalites all right this is the first thing I want to get to you today after the call of Gideon to be a vessel he's He's asked to do some things, which I'm going to show you. He's asked to begin to clean. He's asked to begin to clean out some things around him. In verse 25, it says, Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take out the second bull and offer a, a burnt sacrifice with wood of the image which you shall cut down. He says, Take down the wood pole, make it into firewood, put it on the second altar and offer the young bull to the Lord as a sacrifice. 
sacrifice in the proper way. You know, I think what God is telling us is in order for, there, for you to be a vessel, there's some things that gotta get cut down. There's some cleaning that has to happen. There's some areas that have to get, to, to get shut down. There's some things that have to get shut off. There's some in your life that, that unfortunately have to get uh, pushed aside. So, so there's some negativity in your life that's not benefiting your soul that has to be eliminated. In order for you to be a vessel, you have to be somebody who is pursuing being clean. God, you've got to clean out the junk in me. And, and we know that sanctification is a process, isn't it? And so it's not like you come to the Lord and you're like, all right, good, I'm clean. But the Lord begins to clean you. But you need to be on that path in order to be used. And let me just say to you, I believe the more God sanctifies you, the, the, the more of a vessel of honor you are in his house, I believe the more he can use you. I believe this, that sometimes we hinder him by not being clean. God, clean me so you can use me in your house. And so it says, I'm going to skip some verses because, uh, no, I'm not going to skip verses because we're almost done with these. And when, and, um, verse 27, so Gideon took 10 men. I love, God said he was going to do it all by himself. And he's like, I, I need help. This is a little scary. He took 10 men from among his servants, did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it. At night. I love I love seeing Gideon's inadequacy through this whole thing. He's still not a mighty man of valor, but he's becoming who God has called him to be. And when the men of the city arose in the morning, there was an altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said somebody had been another. Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, apparently somebody had been laid up late at night. They said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. We saw him. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he might die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all those who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. For if he is God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day, he called him Jerubbabel saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Just two more verses. I want to show you what I want to get to. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together. They're going to do this again. They crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. And so the harvest time has come and they're about to be robbed again. They're about to be stolen from again. It's happened so many times. We've been, we've been, we've been decimated time and time again. And it's about to happen again. But this time is different, because in verse 40, 34, it says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You know, sometimes we lose in translation what the words actually mean. That word spirit is that word ruach. In Genesis, it says, when, uh, when breath breathed into Adam the breath of life, it was the ruach of God, it was the breath it's translated wind of heaven, breath of God. It says the spirit or the breath of God came upon Gideon. I just want to say, I just want to show you that word came is labash, which literally means this, to put on like a cloak. So literally what's being said, and if you don't get excited about this, this is my clincher, so I'm going to be upset with you. <laughs> The literal translation is the breath of heaven put on Gideon like a coat. 
it's not like Gideon began to feel God's presence and feel tinglys and get a little inspired. No. It said he had begun to clean out what needed to be cleansed. We're going to see in the next chapter how he was empty and he became available. And it wasn't just like, okay, I think I can do this. It said the breath of heaven put on Gideon like a coat. Gideon became a vessel for God's use and ultimately carried the power of God. And I just want to say to you today, if you yield yourself to him, this same thing will happen to you, where he'll so fill you, it won't even be you anymore. We, we see the next verses, look what, look what um, he begins to do. You know, you know, Gideon couldn't even go at night and cut down a pole, and, but look at this, it's fire. He couldn't, even, he couldn't even thresh wheat outside, he had to hide and do it. Look at this, as soon as the Spirit of God comes on him, It says in verse 34, he starts making moves. Look at this. (laughs) But the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he blew the trumpet. He's not afraid anymore. Why? Because he has become a vessel of something greater than what he was before. It says that he, uh, he... he and the, and the Abysrites gathered behind him. There was nobody following Gideon before. There's nobody cared who Gideon was before. He was the least uh, tribe, the weakest guy. But all of a sudden, he becomes a vessel and people begin to see it. You know, when you become a vessel for the use of God, people will recognize there's something different on your life. Maybe you won't look different on the outside. Maybe you won't, you, you, you won't be a, a different person physically, but you'll sure carry something different that impacts people. And so he starts blowing trumpets. He starts getting people together, right? Verse 35, he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh. He starts, he starts making moves. Come on. Go over there, get these people together. It says, uh, who gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulon, Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Man, Gideon starts being used by God. Why? Because he's a vessel. There's three prerequisites for being a vessel, and I'm gonna skip ahead today and just end with this. I wanna show you this. The first one is to be clean. 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says this, if we walk in the light as he is, we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so today, will you be clean? Will you take down the stuff in your life? You know, you sometimes, it's gotta get removed. It's gotta get taken out. It's not good enough to put it in the corner, put it in the closet, keep it out of sight, but wait till later when you want it back. Oh, you gotta get it out. You gotta get it cleaned out. And let me just say to you, And when you start to clean house, God knows you're serious. He says, I found a vessel that I can use. I found somebody who's clean. Think if the pizza guy showed up, this is a horrible illustration, but pizza guy showed up with a used box with your pizza in it. No, God's looking for somebody who's been cleaned, who can use how he wants to use them. The second thing is this, will you be empty? See, being cleaned and emptied are two different things. Being empty, you know, I can be clean, but I can still be filled with my own ideas, with my own plans, with my own ways that God should and could use me. You know, in the next chapter, we won't read it, but Gideon shows up to battle with 32,000 guys. Not as much as he needs, but more than 300, which God whittles his armies down to. You know, Gideon was learning, I got to get cleaned, and I got to be actually emptied of of my own ways of doing it. Maybe today, Gideon learns that it's not even my way how I get used by God. Maybe today, you're, you're filled with all sorts of ideas and plans of what you wanna do for God or how you wanna be an impact or, or, or what you feel like you're supposed to do, and that's not a bad thing. But let me just say to you today, God will do his will his way. And you have to be willing for that to be a vessel for God. 
You got to be okay with him using you his way. It's confusing sometimes. I can imagine Gideon looking at his 32,000, you know, 31,700 people walking away from his army and being left with 300 and saying, God, we really need you now. Like we were in trouble before, but now it's bad, right? But, but God will use you his way. And so you have to be clean. You have to be emptied. Look at this, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust, you know this verse so well, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct you. I want to read to you three more verses and then make our last point today. Judges 7, verse 1 and 2. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Mor in the valley. And the Lord's hands. And the people who are with you are too many for me to give you to the Midianites into their hands. What? <laughs> what do you mean we have too many people on our side? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Have you done war before, Lord? The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. You know, sometimes I think God will ask you to empty yourself of all the devices, all the plans, all the things you thought would work, all the, all the you know, you stay late up at night trying to fix the financial problem in your mind and, and, and try to work out your kids' problems, and God's just asking, just empty out your plans, clean out your life, get filled with me, and I'll start to move. And so Gideon is asked to do crazy stuff, emptying his life from stuff that he, he thinks he needs. But God says, I don't need anything for you to be a vessel for me. And so at the end remain 300. You know, God does his work his way. So we need to be clean. We need to be empty. The last one is we need to be available. You know, sometimes God will ask you to leave some things in life so you can make yourself available for him. Amen. Does everybody have to quit everything that they're doing and become a missionary? No, I'm glad our sister Peggy is doing it. God has called her that way. But you know, priority called you to put him first. And so there's some things in our priority list that maybe need to get moved around in order to be a vessel used by God. You know, so often I've, I've not been used by God because of the inconvenience of it all. Maybe the, maybe the cleanliness was there, and maybe even my plans were yielded to God, but I was just focused on what I was doing. I was so busy. I was, God, I don't have time to talk to that person about you. I don't, I don't have time to, to make a meal for this person. I don't, I don't have time to pray for this situation. I, I, I have so much going on, and God, I think, would say, will you be available for me to use you? Would you make yourself available to me? I think this is a good practice, and I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak this over us today, is, is somebody who is available, has a listening ear, and will drop their plans at a, moment's, at a moment's notice to follow whatever God is asking them to do right then. Does it mean that you have to sit at home waiting for God to speak to you and just be ultra available and then never do anything? No, I don't think that's what that means. I don't think you're supposed to quit everything and just sit at home waiting for God to ask you to go to Giant and pay for a lady's groceries. But I think it means this. In your daily walk, in your day-to-day -day doings, would you be available enough to listen when God says, speak to that one? 
Smile at that one. Give to that one. Help this one. Don't go there. Go here. Encourage this one. Give a text to this one. This one needs a call. This one needs encouragement. Would you be available enough just to yield to God and say, God, I I don't know exactly what it is that's going to happen today, but I'm, I'm available for whatever is up. Come to church on Sunday night. (laughs) I'll be available. Kingdom, I want to be used by you, Lord, in the way that you've called me to. Lord, I just pray today you give us grace. This will be things, areas that we need to clean out. Today I pray that this will be the day. This will be the day where it ends, where it stops, where it's no more, where it's destroyed and where it's put far away from us. Lord, if we have our own plans of how you, we think you should use us, God, we just empty ourselves today and we say, God, we are a vessel. We are a chosen instrument. And we don't get, we don't get the ability to choose how we're used, but Lord, we, we, we clean ourselves and empty ourselves so we can be used. And I just wanna say to you, if that scares you, God has a special and specific purpose for you that fits you. And you don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to act like somebody who you see who's powerful, a powerful vessel for God. You don't have to pretend. You just need to get clean, emptied, and become available. And God will use you for your specific purpose. He's given you your personality for a reason. He's given you your gift set for a reason. He's put you in your family for a reason. You're at the job you're at for a reason. And so today, emptying yourself can feel scary, but it's really surrender. And so, God, we say we'll clean ourselves. We'll get clean by the power of your Holy Spirit. We'll be emptied, and God will be available. God will keep a listening ear for when you say move, move. When you say serve, serve. I just want to encourage you, church, get involved in God's family. Get involved in God's house. Come and serve his people. If you feel separated from the house of God, come. Come to services, but more than that, come to pray. Come to, come to worship. Come to, and, 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 then, and then bring what you're filled with out from here to the world around you and impact your friends and your family. So Lord, today, I just want to end with this, with, with the, the signal of raising our hands to him. If this is you today, you say, God, I want to be a vessel for you, a vessel of honor in your house, used for your purpose. I just want you to lift your hand right now. And I just want to pray, God, you see every hand raised. You see the desire of our hearts is to be used by you. And God, you ask us to be clean, empty, and available so that you can use us for your purpose. So God, we just commit today in a fresh way. We say, God, have your way in us. Use us however you want to. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd put us on like you did Gideon, God, like a coat. And Lord, we would be filled with the power of God that is the only power that has changing capabilities. So Lord, we love you today and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.